Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Thank all of you for being here today. Um, I have really, really, really been praying uh, about today. Um, I, I always pray, but much more so than normal. Uh, my concern is that I will not do justice today um, to this principle. Uh, I will not say it in a way that you really understand it um, or or something like that. This, uh, what we're about to talk about um, is probably, I'd probably have to go back and look at some old notes and stuff before saying definitely, but it's is probably number one for me in in my entire life as far as these spiritual laws because this saved my life. Um, this is a, a significant part of uh, my next book coming out. that um, will be out in February, uh, which, by the way, is way, way, way more important to me than the Healing Code book. Um, but anyway... Um, this saved my life, uh, and I'll, I'll give you just a little bit of background. Most of you know my, you know, the story of Hope and I getting married and her depression and, and all that sort of thing. There's a part that I've talked about on this show but is not as uh, widely known, and let me share just a tiny bit of that because it's relevant to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Hope and I were married in 1986. We found out shortly after that that she was depressed um, and started all that journey. Uh, in 1988, uh, everything in my life was failing, and it was failing to the point that it seemed like everything was coming to a head at the same time. And I was about to end up in the ditch, and a really big ditch that I wasn't sure if I'd ever be able to get out of. Uh, Hope was about to kick me out of the house. She was about to tell me that she couldn't stand to live with me anymore and would I please leave the house, and she was exactly right. Um, in our marriage, I'd been, I'd been basically living what I'd seen modeled by my mom and dad, which was my mom does basically everything uh, except my dad working at his job. So she worked too. Uh, my mom worked full time most of her adult life. But in addition to that, she did all the cooking, all the cleaning. Now part of that was because she wanted to. I think that was part of her self-worth. But for whatever reason, that was still my model. And so when Hope and I got married, uh, that's just the way it had always been for me and the way I assumed it was going to be. And, and, and so I started, 
inserting Hope and I into what I'd had modeled by my mom and dad, which was terribly unfair to Hope. She never agreed to that. Uh, the division of labor was not equitable. She was working much harder than I was. Um, and, and, yeah, I did feel some guilt about it, but it was also my default programming. So I wasn't doing that to try to be mean. It, it's just it was just my programming, okay? So uh, uh, I knew that we were unhappy as a couple, that things were not the way uh, either one of us wanted them to be. We were both unhappy in that, but it was being much harder on her because of the added stuff of the depression. Uh, I was also about to go bankrupt financially. Uh had us in more credit card debt than, I mean, it, it would take us years after that to dig out from all of that. I believe that I had cancer at the time. I felt bad all the time. Uh, I, I never went to the doctor, did not have it diagnosed, but I did go in, to the books, and I had every symptom in the book. My skin had turned real scaly. Um, I had dark circles under my eyes. My skin was kind of a pasty white. Uh, I didn't have any energy. I was losing weight for no apparent reason. Now, a lot of that could have been just symptoms of stress as well. And I'm not saying I had cancer. I'm saying at the time I thought I did. Uh, but everything, everything was sliding into the ditch. Uh, I had pretty much lost my faith and was about to throw all of that overboard. Uh, and... and was it, the legalistic religious system that I was brought up in and still was largely in at that time, I felt like was absolutely strangling me and that I had already been so bad in my life under that legalistic system that God would never forgive me. I could never measure up, uh, etc. So um, it, it's hard to convey the pain in all of that, put together day after day after day. But I was in absolute agony in a very different way than Hope was with her depression. I was not depressed, at least clinically, but um, everything in my life was failing. And so on a stormy night in uh, 2000, I'm sorry, in 1988, Hope kicked me out of the house, and uh, I packed my little bag, went to my parents' house, stayed up all night in the backyard, praying, cursing, uh, crying, screaming, uh, everything in between, okay? And uh, I didn't have any, at least it seemed at the time to me, big, huge lightning bolts go off, which I guess is what I was hoping for. Uh, but I did have some things happen. Um, I felt like, I felt at one point like God was speaking to me through my mind. I did not hear an audible voice, but but I felt like God was speaking to me and asked me a question that offended me. 
really. Um, and I, w- I was in all this agony, and I felt like God said to me, do you really, do you love hope? Do you love her? And, uh, of course, right off the bat, my immediate answer was that I did love her, okay? And this was all in my mind, all right? And I knew it was in my mind. But then, after my immediate response that, yes, I did love her, what I felt like came next that, at the time, I thought was God, um, was this. Not only do you not love hope, you don't even know what love is. And boy, that really made me mad, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and I mean, it, it, it was everything. And I, I was like, where is this coming from? Is this coming from me? Is this, is this me saying this to me? in some way, you know, from my unconscious or something. Is this God? And and if this is God, why in the world would you say something like that? I not only know what love is, I teach people what love is, which I did. I was working with teenagers and their parents at that time, uh, doing a whole lot of that kind of stuff, right? Did a lot of counseling then, even though I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any formal training for it at that time. But... um, Anyway, um, I couldn't get away from that. Uh, My first response was anger and to just, that's a bunch of baloney. Of course I know what love is. And of course I love hope, all right? But as the hours passed and then the days, I couldn't get away from it. It's like it haunted me. Is it possible that I don't love hope, that I haven't been loving hope? Is it possible that I don't know what love is? I mean, and 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 I I could and, and then it got to where I couldn't think about anything else except that, and it was driving me crazy. All right, and um, I started reading ancient manuscripts, people talking about love, and. Uh, and some of those I'm sure you've heard. Uh, let, let me relay just a, a few of them. Uh, Lao Tzu, being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage. Sophocles, one word frees us of all the weight and pain of life. The word, love. The Apostle Paul, if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries of life and have all knowledge and have all faith so that I can even move mountains but don't have love, I'm nothing. Buddha, until he has unconditional and unbiased love for all beings, man will not ever find peace. One of my favorite ones, Mahatma Gandhi When I despair, I remember that all through history, the way of truth and love has always won. There have been tyrants and murderers, and for a time, they can seem invincible, but in the end, they always fall. Think of it. 
always. The Dalai Lama, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. Martin Luther King, Jr., darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And I'm probably going to pronounce this one wrong. Lama Surya Das. Learning how to love is the goal and the purpose of spiritual life. Not learning how to develop psychic powers. Not learning how to bow, chant, do yoga, or even meditate. But learning to love. Love is the truth. Love is the light. And and it goes on and on and on, many others. And I was reading all those, and, and especially the one from Paul, reading that whole chapter in the Bible really got to me. And, and the end of the story is, finally, I believed with all my heart that God was right. Not only had I not loved hope, I didn't even know what love is. And I discovered, I believe, over about the next six weeks, I feel like I was inducted into kind of a spiritual school. And I discovered during that time period what love really was and was changed internally to be able to live in love, not perfectly, and I'm still not doing it perfectly, and I never will, but to do it way better than I had ever done before, to live in love. And what I discovered is that love is all in, all the time, nothing held back, no plan B, no safety net, no two toes across the line, Forever, no matter what. And that I had, maybe with the exception of, of, of my parents at a few times in my life, probably most of the time not even with my parents, for the first time in my life, not only believed that, but was committed and started living it and practicing it. Six weeks after she kicked me out of the house, Hope agreed to go on a date with me reluctantly. And she would tell me later that the first time she looked in my eyes, she knew I was not the same man. And she was right. I had been transformed and was being transformed by the love of God. And it changed everything. And uh, Hope and I had a recommitment ceremony for our marriage. Uh, were so much more in love than we'd ever been before. I mean, the depth of both of our feelings for each other just skyrocketed. And, and we've been happier than I had imagined before we got married, ever since then. My health issues went away completely almost overnight. 
our financial things started getting better and better and better. Uh, everything, everything in my life did a 180 and completely turned around over that one thing, discovering what love really was and committing to live that with everybody in my life from then on. What I also discovered is that what I had been calling love and even teaching as love was not love at all. It was what's in it for me. It was a business deal negotiation, in other words. In fact, that what's in it for me principle is is the blueprint that's typically overlaid onto business deal negotiations. I'll give you this if you give me that, and I'm willing to go this far if you'll come this far, and I'm willing to pay this much if you'll accept this much uh, until you reach a compromise, a negotiation. Love doesn't do that. Love, what's in it for me, business deal love, uses the other person for value in your life. In other words, I'm in relationship with you to get something. I'm looking at you for you to bring value to my life. And then when that value is used up, in, in my opinion, I'm going to move on to the next person I can get value from. Love doesn't do that. Love looks to give value to the other person regardless if any value ever comes back to you. And it values the other person just the way they are. No judgment, just love. And if you never give me anything back, that's your job, not mine. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I have chosen to love you and because God has loved me. Uh, we talk a lot about belief, and we've talked a good bit lately about the three kinds of belief, placebo, nocebo, and de facto. Placebo is believing a lie that produces a positive Result, even at times phys physically measurable, but it's almost always temporary. And the typical placebo, average placebo effect is about 30%. And that's like believing that this sugar pill is a new miracle drug. Nocebo is when something is real, but because I don't believe it, it does not have the positive effect it would have. Dr. Ben Johnson, who co-authored my first book, and is a medical doctor, says that even antibiotics typically will not work if the people do not believe they will work. That's right. That if the person believes this antibiotic is not going to help me, nine times out of ten they will take the correct antibiotic and it will not help them. It will have no positive effect. And then de facto is, is, as best you can, finding the whole truth and believing and acting on the whole truth, which means that you're going to get close to 100% of the possible positive 
benefit, and it's going to be long-term, not just short-term, and it's not going to be because of willpower. It's going to be relatively, as effortless as it can be, all right? And what I discovered after this incident with hope and the um, business deal love versus real love is that it corresponds to those three types of belief, placebo, nocebo, and de facto. And when I thought about it, that made sense to me because truth always points the way to love. Falsehood always points the way to fear. And belief, when we say belief, belief is always about truth or a lie. You can believe in the truth or you can believe in a lie or you can believe in both. You can believe uh, a little bit of, about the true thing and a little bit about the lie. I mean, there's all kinds of combinations there. But it made sense to me that that belief, the three types of belief, would correspond to three types of love, and they do. So there is placebo belief, which is to get pleasure. All right? So as you're meditating and praying this week, here's what I would ask you to pray about, meditate about, and consider the relationships that you have, in, and that includes with yourself and with, and with God, is your goal in those relationships to get pleasure for yourself. If so, then that is placebo love. Nocebo love is to protect yourself or to avoid pain. So think about your relationships, and okay, is that relationship to avoid pain in some way? And then de facto love is when you give freely regardless of what, if anything, comes back to you, or if even, even if negative comes back to you, you still give freely. And it's not seeing that other person or entity as, as uh, something that can give you more value, but it's you wanting to give value to the other regardless of what, if anything, or even if something is taken away from you. In other words, I'm committed to love regardless of what happens. And that, that may not mean I live with you, and if I'm living with you now and you're hurting me, it may not mean that I live with you anymore, but I better keep loving you, or that was a placebo or a nocebo love not a de facto love. Let me give you an example. Hope and I get married, and I believe that by and large, my what I called love, which was really what's in it for me, business deal love, but what I called love for Hope was placebo love. I wanted to get stuff from her. One of the big ones was sex. Okay? I was in my 20s. I was a virgin when I got married, okay? 
So that was one of the really big ones. Also wanted someone to cook, someone to clean, all the stuff that my mom did, someone to talk to, someone to do things with, go on trips with, uh, share life with, etc. Okay? Well, a great deal of that is to get something for me, pleasure for me. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not agape, de facto love. That is placebo love. Now, I'm not saying there's no agape, de facto love in there somewhere, but the basic general thing with that is placebo eros love. When Hope and I got married, Hope was depressed, even though we didn't know it at the time, and then within a year or so, it was it was red hot, full bore, major clinical depression. Okay, but but um, hope was hope was very shy, extremely shy, uh, maybe even more than just shy. Okay, and a lot of hopes, what she called love for me, I believe now, was nocebo love. She wanted me to protect her to shield her from the pain of the big, bad, cruel world and other people. I remember one time, um, uh, and I think I told this story recently, so I'll, I'll be very brief. I was always into athletics, played everything, and, and went to college on an athletic scholarship. And for years, I'd been playing a Tuesday night basketball game, just a pickup game, but we were pretty serious about it when we got there, and, it, and we were good friends, and we, we'd done it for years, okay? And I can remember early in our marriage, Hope, one night, literally was on the floor and had hold of one of my legs with her arms and would not let go to the point that when I tried to move away, I kind of drug her along the floor a little bit. And she was pleading with me, please don't go to basketball, please don't go to basketball, please stay here with me. We had nothing going on. It was just a regular weeknight at home. She wanted me to protect her. She didn't want me to do anything with her. She wanted to sit there and read a book in the bedroom with the door closed and me in the room, next room, outside the bedroom. All right? But she wanted me to protect her from the big bad world. She wanted me for security. I wanted her for pleasure and significance. Okay? Well, our placebo and nocebo hit head to head, and we were both miserable. Both of us wanted out. So what saved us? What saved us was shifting from placebo and nocebo love to de facto love, to agape love, to I don't want anything from you. I'm going to love you because God loves me and I think you're wonderful. I think you're beautiful. I, I I think you're the most one of the most wonderful women in the world I've ever known. 
And if you never give me anything back, no sex, no anything, no paying the bills, no cleaning, no cooking, no nothing, if you never give me anything back, I'm going to keep loving you for the rest of my life. Increasing the value in her, not trying to get value from her for me. Trying to increase her pleasure instead of using her to get more pleasure for myself. And for her, not looking at me as a safety blanket or a security net or someone to pay the bills or or uh, uh, to be more socially acceptable because you're a certain age and you're married and with a family and, and if you're not that, everybody says, what's wrong with you or why, why aren't you that way, at least back in those days in the circles we were in. But her no lo- longer looking at me that way, but looking at me as I love Alex and no matter what he does or doesn't do, I'm going to love him because I'm not loving him for what he can protect me from, even if those bad things happen that I worry about that usually don't happen, but I worry about them. This is from Hope's perspective. Even if they do happen, I'm going to keep loving him, no matter what. And, you know, I'm not sure if we as humans are even capable of this without being deprogrammed and reprogrammed in our un- and subconscious mind, or my preferred way for a miraculous intervention by God that changes us from the inside out, like what happened to me during that six-week period of time in 1988. But the three kinds of love, placebo, nocebo, de facto, I lived placebo and nocebo pretty much my whole life until 1988. And since then, I've been committed to de facto love, where my job is not to judge you. My job is not to get anything from you. My job is not for you to protect me from anything. My job is to love you with nothing held back, all in, no strings attached, forever. This was the solution to my health, my finances, my relationships, my life, everything in my life. It was for hope, too. It was, it, it's, it's being that for our children. I believe it's the solution for you. I believe it's the solution for... Um, uh, our our world wars. I believe it, if if the uh, banking powers had been doing their jobs in de facto love, that seven years ago we would never have had happen what happened. That that those bankers and and government people and all the others that were a part of that, the real estate establishment, etc. They were doing their work in de facto, I'm sorry, in nocebo and placebo. What can I get from this 
or what can I pr protect myself from financially, even if it costs Alex, even if it costs Ken, even if the bubble burst and millions of people lose their retirement or their savings or whatever, well, you know, I'll be sorry that that happened, but I'll still have my millions. I believe it's the solution to virtually every problem on the planet. Nocebo and placebo are directly tied to our pain-pleasure programming, which we talk about all the time. Placebo would be more the pleasure. Nocebo would be more the pain. De facto says, you know what, whether it's pleasurable or painful does not enter into my decision. I'm going to do what I believe is right. I'm going to do what I believe is in truth and love in the present moment with anyone and everyone or anything that I do. And whatever comes from that, whether it feels painful or pleasurable, I'm going to be grateful and thankful. And whatever happens, I'm going to consider to be the best thing for me. And if it's painful, I'm going to learn from it. If it's pleasurable, I'm going to be grateful for it, but not expect it to necessarily continue. All right. I do not believe I've done a real great job getting this across. And I apologize, because if you really get this, and if you use our tools to do that deprogramming and reprogramming and commit your life to living in agape, de facto, love, truth, and beliefs, I know it will do in your life what it's done in mine. People I've worked with, I started doing this in my private practice after that, after I did get trained and um, started doing counseling therapy, things like that. And virtually every person that I worked with who committed to this and did it, their lives were transformed as well. So um, to me, this is much more important than the codes, than the master key, than any of those things. Now, we can use those tools to help this actually happen in our life. But what I believe we're talking about today is life. It, in fact, it's life or death. Not only long term, but every hour of every day. So as you pray and meditate today, try to evaluate with different jobs in your life, different roles of your life, different relationships of your life. As far as I'm concerned, you can't control what other people do. But am I doing this? Is this relationship, as far as my part, Placebo, nocebo, or de facto? And do I want to keep going that way? Or do I want to deprogram, reprogram, pray, and commit my life to agape, de facto love, truth, and beliefs? No matter whether pain, no matter whether pleasure, no matter what. 